welcome to another edition of the Read More Podcast, the show that brings readers and writers together. I'm your host, Marva Hinton. Our guest today is Natalia Sylvester. She's the author of the award-winning book, Chasing the Sun. Her latest novel, Everyone Knows You Go Home, was just published earlier this month. Natalia, thank you so much for stopping by to talk to us about your work. Thank you so much for having me. Everyone Knows You Go Home is such a beautiful book. It's lyrical and magical, and I absolutely love the beginning. Would you mind reading the first page for us? Sure, I would love to. And thank you, by the way. Chapter 1, November 2nd, 2012, The Big Day. They were married on the Day of the Dead, El Día de los Muertos, which no one gave much thought to in all the months of planning until the bride's deceased father-in-law showed up in the car following the ceremony. He manifested behind the wheel, then stretched his arm over the back of the passenger seat as he turned to face Martin and Isabel. Beautiful ceremony, Miho, he said. The couple's smiles froze. It seemed to take an eternity for either of them to speak, and when they did, they had little more than mumbles. Her whole life, Isabel had heard stories about spirits who spent this one day of the year with family. As a child, she had built altars for her great-grandparents, vibrant tributes made out of open shoeboxes adorned with paper flowers and pictures of religious figures that looked a lot like the dioramas she created in grade school. In her teens, her family congregated around her great-aunt's grave to clean it. One year, her mother even brought a battery-operated vacuum for the stone. Today, we remember our dead, her mother always said. We honor them. That is such a wonderful way to start the novel. Did you always know that that's the way you wanted it to begin and that one of your main characters would be dead? I did, and it's funny because um, this doesn't happen very often to me in my writing process at all, but the first sentence I wrote is actually the first sentence of the book, and it pretty much always stayed that way. Um, And I would say, in fact, maybe the first few pages, I mean, the first few pages, aside from actual, you know, the editing and the cleaning up and everything, um, the, those were the ones that really just came out first. And in a way, I discovered what the story would be about by writing them. Um, I knew, I always knew that I wanted to write about a spirit who came to visit the newlyweds and um, on the Day of the Dead. I at first did not know that nobody would want to speak with him except for his new daughter-in-law. So that was an interesting, you know, that was an interesting surprise to discover through the writing process. And um, yeah, and then, you know, several other things throughout the the writing of it always, they come about in different ways, in different order. But the actual first passage really set the tone for the, not just the rest of the book, but for the process of me writing it. The father who comes back on the wedding day, Martin's father, Omar, he's coming back because he wants redemption from his wife, Elda, and his children, uh, Martin and Claudia. Your novel goes back and forth in time from chapter to chapter as you show us the early life of Martin's parents before they came to the U.S. from Mexico and in their first years in this country. Then we see these characters in the current time when Omar has passed away. Martin is married to Isabel and Elda is living life without her husband. Why did you decide to structure the novel that way? 
I always knew it would be a story about the ways that the lives of those who came before us, and not just their lives, but the secrets that they carry, um, are carried into the present, and how even when we, either if we know them or if we don't, oftentimes both the pain and the joy of them lingers. And so the book to me was always about this idea of legacy, and it was about um, what, like just ancestry and what gets passed down over generations. And so it made sense to me to tell it with these alternating timelines. And and even though when I first started writing it, I started writing um, in present day 2012. And then I actually started alternating chapters going back and forth between time periods. But I realized really soon that I couldn't write it that way. Like I've had to first write the storyline from 1981. And I had to first learn exactly what it was that had happened to them because you have to know their pasts in order to know their presence. Um, so that's what I did. I wrote both stories separately, and then I ended up in different in subsequent drafts kind of intertwining them together. And I, by the end of it, like the structure, I realized it was almost cyclical, like as in beginning where it ends. And, and I thought that that made a lot of sense because of the things that I was exploring being like life and death and the cycles of that. Well, in many ways, your novel is an immigration story. Your characters are Mexican-American with some family members living in a border town in Texas and others in Mexico. A large part of the story revolves around this grueling journey from Mexico to the U.S. As an immigrant yourself from Peru, has the issue of immigration always intrigued you? Yes, and but... I didn't consider it an issue. Like when you live your life as an immigrant, it's just your life experience. And so it's really interesting and not always in a good way um, to hear your life experience, you know, the way it's talked about in the main, in, in the greater national conversation um, gets kind of d- diluted to an issue where it's not just like a trendy topic or something that can only be politicized. It's our, it's our entire, it's our lives. And one of the things I really wanted to, to do with this was just, I mean, yes, it is a novel about immigration because I can't separate that from my life or the life of my characters, but it's also about the, their whole lives, like the, like the complete picture of their lives. So it's about, yes, sometimes the struggles, but it's also about the joys and and the triumphs they face and the small moments they live and the big moments they live and everything in between. And so I, I think part of me just wanted to, to get a chance to write the stories that I'd grown up living and hearing and experiencing and, and seeing others in my family or friends and community experiencing. Because I think that when, especially, you know, What's happening today in in the, like the discourse on immigration? A lot of people feel it's new. Um, to me, it's never felt new. You know, to me, like when it, we re- started to reach this crisis point, all the origins made sense because they're things that I've always seen happening to my community, even even since I was little. And so, it was just um, it's just me trying to write our side of it or my side of it. And letting, um, kind of not letting us be distilled only to like a one-dimensional experience. 
in the novel, you cover immigration in such detail. I mean, we learn about those who make most of the trip on foot with the intense heat and limited water, as well as about those who jump on top of a train known as the Beast to cross the southern U.S.-Mexico border. And we also get to see a little bit of what it's like for those who end up in detention centers. How much research did you have to do before you started writing? So for different aspects of the book, I, I think I did a lot, of, quite a bit of research and in different ways um, because my family came here differently, right? We came from Peru, which so we were, you know, you fly over. There's several books I read. There are people who I interviewed. I interviewed several immigration lawyers. Um, I interviewed people, uh, psychologists who work with, who specialize in, um, in immigration court as like uh, they testify um, for for your, for youth who that way they could when when a youth when you're when they're when there's a case to decide if you're if if there's going to be asylum for someone or if there's going to be deportation for someone um, one of the things that the courts want to know is you know would this it was this citizen who is a youth be affected negatively if you know their mother were deported for example which is like a question that shouldn't even have to be asked of course um but it is and so there's um psychologists who specialize specifically in doing those evaluations and you know really talking about how how our immigration system affects youth um so i spoke a lot with them watched several documentaries and 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 all that on top of the stories that like i said i'd grown up hearing or experiencing um I wanted to really be sure to to really just listen to all of those different points of view and 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 so that's what I what I did before I wrote but before I started writing through your story we see the danger of crossing the border as well as the danger of staying in Mexico we also get a real sense of the fear people have who are living in this country undocumented there are you know, really a lot of complicated issues that go into this. And these are things that you mentioned that our country's leaders are still grappling with. What do you want your readers to take away from this book when it comes to immigration? You know, we see it on the news and, you know, maybe for people who are not recent immigrants, it might not even uh, you know, register with them. Um, and there's just so much rhetoric on all of the various sides. But, you know, ideally, what would you like your readers to say about it when they finish reading your book? So I think that question can vary a lot depending on who the reader is. Um, And so for me, I mean, I really honestly wrote it not thinking. I didn't write it thinking like this is a book of me talking to a non-immigrant and pleading with them, you know, um, to, to like see the to see our side. Like to me, it was really just a book about. I want to write the experiences that that I know, for example, my family has gone through. Uh, I think the act of witnessing is a very powerful thing. I know that the sacrifices my own family made are ones that I could never fully comprehend or repay or fully be able to thank them for. Um, so a lot of my writing personally is just my way of saying, I see what you did, I see what you went through, and I honor that. Um, so for me, that that first and foremost is what, like, those are the people I think about, right? And those are the people um, that I write for. 
if someone who has not experienced this reads it, I think that would be wonderful as well. And I think that, you know, I don't like to tell people what I hope that they'll come away with uh, from anything, really. But I think that reading and fiction is an act of empathy. And I would hope that that maybe it'll help them just get a different perspective and maybe just bring a little more compassion to what we get distilled, what we see get distilled to a debate, right? Um, when you can tackle immigration as if it were a debate, that's a very privileged point of view because it means that you're not personally affected by it. There's, um, because it's not just as simple as a debate, it's actual lives caught in the midst of it. Okay, well now, Natalia, I'd like to ask you a few questions about what you like to read. Uh, if you were in a situation where you could only read three books for the rest of your life, oh, which three would you choose? And, you know, I'm just looking for books that you, you find, maybe you find mm -hmm. yourself returning to or you would like to return to mm -hmm. and just be able to study. Oh, wow, that's a really hard question. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Three of them. Hmm. I would probably, I'm going to go with one from like my youth and then recently, and then who knows what I'll do for the third because it's such a hard question. <laughs> but, and this is a cliche one, but it's for a reason. When I was young, I was in love with Little Women, and it was my favorite book in the world. And I recently reread it, I think two years ago, so, you know, as a 31-year-old. And it really was one of those books that I couldn't believe I still love. And I actually brought new insights to it and saw things that I hadn't seen before. So it was lovely that it grew with me. Um, I really, really lately, one of the books that I recently enjoyed was Homegoing by Yaj Yassi. I would love to just reread the, the way she intertwines her stories and the language, like at the sentence level, not just at a sentence level, but just when you step, when you see the this story that she has, I think spanning something like 300 years, um, you know, tracing the lives of two, two women, um, two sisters in Africa, and one um, gets sold into slavery, and the other one marries into, um, I think she, she marries a white man who is part of the slave trade and so it traces their you know kind of going back to my interest in, in ancestry and just what happens over generations what she did was just so beautiful and that she could take these moments in history and bring them all the way to the present and show just how much of the of history is not in fact history and it's not in fact past and it's every day still playing a role in our lives and in in the world that we've created I would love to just reread that and see how she did it and even just you know or even just to be reimmerse myself in her story and her words okay so third one gosh i'm gonna probably draw a blank but let me see what did i read recently oh it's so hard to choose i'm gonna take a while on this one well <laughs> we can always come back to it too okay. that's okay i will just we'll move on and we'll okay. give you some time to think yeah um, sort of on the flip side of the last question, have you ever had a book that is maybe a very popular book, either popular with 
just mm-hmm. popular with readers or popular with critics that you have tried to read and you couldn't get through it or either you got through it and at the end you were like I don't understand what the big deal is there's a few um I and I never read The Great Gatsby in high school and I tried to read it a few years ago and I just couldn't get into it I yeah it just wasn't my thing do you remember what it was there anything about it that turned you off or just the whole book in general you weren't feeling it I think I maybe got like a couple of chapters in and then that was it I just the voice and the concerns of the characters for me didn't like there weren't anything it, it felt like a something I'd already read and heard because we kind of would grow up like having very I think that when you grow up in the like going to public school in the U.S., you know, which a lot of the books that we are assigned are either white American authors or like British authors, or so like to me, I thought like, well, this I want to read something new and something from a perspective I haven't heard before, and perspectives perspectives that so often are not amplified as much, and so I just I I didn't I, it just wasn't grabbing me. Well, what are you reading right now? I am reading um, The Wang's Versus the World by Jade Chang, and I, I'm, in a, I'm a few chapters in, and um, the voice is just wonderful, and she is also um, doing this really great thing with alternating voices and different members of the family. Um, it's a father and his two, I think it's two kids so far, I'm not too far into it, but and what else? I'm also reading um, poetry. So I've been reading a book called a, a, po- a collection of poems by Julaine Lee called "Not My White Savior," and it's uh, she is a Korean adoptee, and so she's sharing poems about her experience as a Korean adoptee, being adopted into uh, a, a white Christian family in Min- I think it's Minneapolis when she was a baby. So that's been really fascinating and those are the two I'm reading right now there's plenty more on my nightstand as usual (laughs) well what about your writing right now are you already working on a new project I am I'm in the first like I'm in the rough draft stages of a new project and I'm kind of in that place where I'm trying to figure out where it's going so it feels a little early to talk about what it will be but I am writing and it's been white and I guess we can go back now to that book. Have you thought more about the third book you would have? Um, oh my gosh. Every, I, sh- I need to have like a, a, you know, like when you ask, when people ask you, don't think of an elephant, all you can do is think of an elephant. And like I'm the same, I'm in the opposite way when it comes to books. Like I have so many favorite books and yet I blank out when people ask me about them. Um, I actually would love to read again, there's this book um, called the solitude of prime numbers and it came out a few years ago it's actually it's it's a book in translation it was originally written in italian by an italian author i think his name was paolo giordini giordani i might be getting that off by a little bit but it's one of those books that i can remember loving and yet, since it's been some years, I can't remember every detail about it, so I wouldn't do a good job of explaining it. Does that ever happen to you with books, right? 
Yes, it happens all the time, <laughs> especially the longer it's been, you know, the amount of time. It's been a really long time. It's it's hard. You remember loving it, but you might not remember all the details. Right, exactly. And so the details aren't so fresh, but the emotions you felt, like, very much stay with you. So I think I would just want to revisit it and, and, and re-experience it. Well, where can listeners find you online? I have a website. It's nataliasylvester.com. And I'm also on Twitter and Instagram using the handle at Natalia Silv and, uh, and on Facebook as well. Okay, well, Natalia Sylvester, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to stop by and talk about your work. Thank you so much, Marva. I also want to thank Mango Media and Coral Gables for hosting us today. Please go to our website, readmorepodcast.com, to find out how you can win a free copy of Everyone Knows You Go Home. You can also follow us on Twitter at Read More Podcast and like us on Facebook. Join us again in two weeks for another edition of the show that brings readers and writers together. Until then, I'm Marva Hinton reminding you to read more.